Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. We're going to go now to 1 Chronicles chapter 22, and I'm, I'm starting, coming into a series called Planted uh, uh, that's going to go right along with really these classes and, and, and to help us understand why it's so important, what church attendance is really about. It's not just about attending, which that's important. It's important to be here, and I'm glad you are here. Uh, but uh, that's, that's, really, that's really kind of the, the elementary school of, of being a part of the church, right? I showed up. I answered the roll call, right? Stephen Pilate, here. All right. He's attended. All right. But he's doing more than that, than just being here, right? There's there's something, there's the, there's the attending family, there's the serving family, and there's the giving family. How many of you know that really uh, for, for the attending family, the, the serving family, those are, those are very important, but how many of you know that we wouldn't be able to do any of this without the giving family? None of this would be possible without the giving family. So uh, we want to encourage you to be all of that and, and to uh, be a vital, vital uh, part of what God is doing in the earth. First Chronicles chapter 22, I heard a guy tell me, uh, he said, I've started telling uh, everyone about the benefits of uh, eating dried grapes. It's about raising awareness. Now David said, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced, and the house to be built for the Lord, must be. Everybody say, must be. All right, here's the standard. This is the great King David who has a heart for God and a heart to do something extraordinary for the Lord. And he said, so this is what it must be. It must be exceedingly magnificent, famous, and glorious throughout all countries. I will now make preparations for it. So David made abundant preparations. Everybody say, abundant preparations before his death. Because if this thing is going to be magnificent, if it's going to be famous throughout all the earth, then it's going to require abundant preparations for it. Then he called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, my son, as for me, it was in my mind. It's better translated, actually, it was in my heart. Um, if, if you are a note taker, um, it is the Hebrew word lebab, L-E-B-A-B, Lebab, Lebab, whatever, L-E-B-A-B. And it means the inner man, the heart, the soul, uh, the, the, very, the very center of a person. It was in my heart to build a house to the name of the Lord my God. Now, what an awesome thing to be in the heart of David. Can we all agree on that today? It was in his heart. See, David is sitting in his own beautiful house made of cedar, cedar brought in from Lebanon. Lebanon was known to be the place where you get good lumber, all right, good cedar lumber. And so they would, they would import it over to Israel. And so he, his house, he's sitting in this magnificent house fit for a king, and he looks out and he sees this tent set up where they have church. And his heart longs to do something magnificent. How is it that I dwell in a house of cedar while God is living in a tent? I want to do something for God. He deserves better than that. That's what he's saying. And so the Lord is, is definitely pleased with, with David's desire. But the issue that the Lord had with this was that David was not only a, a, a magnificent worshiper, 
and, um, and wrote so many wonderful psalms that we, we sing today still. And some of those, those psalms we hold on to, especially in times of, of need, in times of even hurting and crisis and grief. You know, Psalms 23 is one that we hold on to. Psalm 91, you know. And anybody got a favorite psalm out there besides those two? Hmm? The Lord is my light and my salvation, Psalm 27. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Beautiful. I love Psalms 103. You hear me quote that all the time. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your disease, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I'm not going to preach all the Psalms, but I sure could. I love them. Psalms 1. Blesses the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he shall also be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he touches shall prosper. Psalms chapter 5. I am preaching it now. Ain't I? Uh, give ear to my words, O Lord. Attend to my meditation. Hearken to the voice of my cry, my King and my God. We're unto you. Oh, Lord, will I pray. My voice you will hear in the morning. Oh, Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto you and will look up. That's a wonderful psalm. So a wonderful worshiper, but also David was a warrior also. Big time warrior. And he said that he, God, trains my hands for war. Now, when God is teaching you how to fight, you're probably not, not going to lose too many battles. Right? <laughs> God literally is on his, side, on his side and teaches David how to fight. He trains my hands for war. So David was a warrior. So because of that, because of the bloodshed by David's own hand, God said, you have too much blood on your hands to build me a house. But Solomon can do it. Your son can do it. Because Solomon isn't a bloodshedder. He's not a warrior. He's, he's the, the wise king. And so David was able to do what all he could by making preparations. He gathered material, building material, an extravagant building material. They said that at, at the time of Solomon, that gold was so prevalent that silver was worthless. Gold everywhere. I mean, just the, the wealth that was brought into, and this was what was in his dad's heart that the house of God should be the greatest thing on, on planet earth, right? And so I, I want to take you to another place, 1 Kings chapter 15. Now, we're going to be in this for, for a little while. I, as I said, I'm, I'm starting this series. This is kind of just the, the preview into this series called Planted. And uh, so if we don't get through all of what's in here today. There's always next Sunday. Turn to somebody and tell them there's always next Sunday. But you know what that means? You know what that means? You got to be here. Right? Next Sunday. Okay. But the high places. Now, this is another king by the name of Asa. Now, I, I thoroughly encourage you to read these, these books, 1 Kings, 2 Kings. Now, there was a time after Solomon that Israel was divided into two kingdoms known as the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. All right? Samaria was the capital of Israel, which is the northern kingdom, and then Judah was uh, the... Uh, 
was the capital of the southern kingdom, okay? And so there, you see the history of the kings of Israel or the kings of Samaria, the northern kingdom, and then the kings of Judah. Most of the good kings come out of Judah, come out of the southern kingdom. People from the south, can I get a woo-woo? Okay, yeah. Uh, always, better people just live in the south. I'm sorry. <laughs> Asa is a good king. It says, but the high places were not removed. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was loyal to the Lord all his days. Next verse. He also brought into the house of the Lord the things which his father had dedicated and the things which he himself had dedicated, silver and gold and utensils. So he's loyal to the Lord, which means he's totally committed to the Lord. So we're beginning to see a pattern just with these two kings, with King David and with King Asa, and their heart for the Lord, listen to me here, their heart for the Lord was reflected in their heart for the house of the Lord. Their heart for the Lord was reflected in their heart for the house of the Lord. Okay? If you're taking notes, write this down. A heart for God translates into a heart for God's house. A heart for God translates into a heart for God's house. 1 Kings chapter 8, let's read that. I've got several scriptures. I'm just kind of in a teacher mode today. Is that all right if I, I teach you instead of preach you? Okay. Well, either way, if it's not okay, you're still here and it's going to happen. <laughs> First Kings chapter 8, verse 17. Now, it was in the heart of my father David. Now, here's Solomon talking, right? It was in the heart of my father David to build a temple for the name of the Lord God of Israel. But the Lord said to my father David, whereas it was in your, it was in your heart to build a temple for my name, you did well that it was in your heart. So God looked into David's heart and he was pleased with what he saw. He saw a heart for God, a heart to build God a house. Now let's go one chapter over to 1 Kings chapter 9 and verse 1. All right, and it came to pass when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house and all Solomon's desire, which he wanted to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. Now, this first appearance that God, when he met Solomon, that's when he asked Solomon what he wanted. He asked Solomon, king of it, what do you want? And Solomon didn't ask for great wealth. He could have. I mean, when the Lord offers you a blank check like that, like, what do you want? Oh, I like the sound of that. So he didn't ask for it. He asked for wisdom. Lord, help me. How can I possibly govern your people? I need your help. And the Lord was so pleased with that request that he went ahead and made him rich too. That because you didn't ask for riches, you're going to get riches. But you're also going to be, you're, going to, you're also going to have wisdom. And so the wisdom of Solomon is still spoken of today. Uh, people came from all over the world to hear from him. You can read the story of the Queen of Sheba who came. She had heard all of these rumors about him, and she was blown away uh, by the reply from his mouth to all of her questions. She, she had these hard questions that she had written out. This ought to stump him. This ought to stump him. Solomon had answers for all of them because he had the wisdom of God. And it came to pass when Solomon fell. Okay, verse 2, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. I, remember this is the Lord speaking, I have consecrated this house. 
which you have built to put my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. All right, what a promise from God. What a response from God, right? What a response from him to the heart of David and to the heart of Solomon who wanted to do something magnificent for God to build him a house. And God says, I like what you've done. And so my name is going to be established there forever and my eyes are going to be on it and my heart is going to be in it perpetually. The message translation says, my eyes are on it and my heart in it always. So God's eyes are on and God's heart is in his house. So if if you want to be where God's heart is, huh? Then live your life for the house of God. Live your life in the house of God. You've done well coming to church today. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mark. And if you want to serve the Lord, and if you want to fulfill his purpose, then be where his heart is. His heart is in his house. His eyes are on his house. So God's eternal purpose then is known in the house of the Lord. So, and, and, and you can't separate a heart for God from a heart for his house. If you're really going to get the heart of God. I've been in church, well, all my life. Anybody else here know what I'm talking about? Been in church all my life. And I, and I appreciate it. I really do. I, I'm grateful for my upbringing. Because most, most, I've seen a lot of changes through the years in church. You know, most of it good. Some of it not so good. All right, we are just humans. I've been in full-time ministry now for over 25 years. And uh, I hope I've learned at least one lesson in all that. And I've met a lot of wonderful people in church. But I have to admit to you that I have never met a group of people quite like you. And that's a good thing. I mean that as a compliment. Uh, It is a blessing to be your pastor. It is a blessing. I've never been around such a great, solid group of people in all my life. I've been part of great churches, but not quite like you. And I've, I've talked to believers through the years, and Heather and I have, you know, concerning their relationship with the Lord and, and, and even church itself. I was having a conversation with a young man yesterday who was just asking me how to get things back on track, how to get his life back on track. And the first thought in my head is, well, where are you, are you in church? You know, because I know what it's done for me. Being in church has helped keep me, keep me coming back, right? Because, you know, Sunday's coming, and there was a time in my life, and, I, and I, when I, I went to church simply because I was scared to death of my father, from, uh, you know, that was really the motivation. If I, if I stay in church, I won't die. He won't kill me. Hey, whatever your motivation is, I'm just glad you're here, right? <laughs> and when I got into teenage years, what was it? It was girls, right? And that's why you're coming to church. He's coming to see what's going on there in that department. So, but... You know, there's there, whatever reason you're there, you're there, right? And so th- that being sometimes was the thing that kept me from straying too far. Because how can you really stray terribly far when you know you're going to be in church Sunday? You're going you're gonna to come back in, you're going to go, oh, God, I'm sorry. I'm such an idiot. I love you so much. Thank you that I'm still alive. And go out back into the week and forget about all that just happened on Sunday, right? 
and come back saying, oh, God. <laughs> if I raise my hands, are you going to strike me dead? <laughs> I, know, I know what it's like to think that the building's going to collapse if you walk in the door, right? But I've talked to people throughout the years, and, and good, sincere, well-meaning people, so I, I'm not here to, to come down on them, but there, there's some concerns you know, things that concern me, not just as a pastor. I mean, you'd say, well, yeah, you're a pastor. You think, no, I'm just talking about just even as a believer, just as a believer myself, say things like, they'll say things, I love the Lord. I just don't care much about the church. Right? I love the Lord. I just don't feel like I, I need to go to church. Now, y'all are in church and you got quiet. You should be amening. This is the time I'm like, yeah. Or I just don't have time to commit to the church. Sundays is my only day off. That's really our family time. I'm not here to step on people's toes. I'm just saying things I've heard. All right? Just look straight forward. Just keep looking straight forward. and I'm, I'm on your side. I'm with you. I understand that there are exceptions from time to time. But listen to me, my family, we, we have to remember this very important truth that if we're not careful, we'll lose sight of our eternal purpose here in this earth. Yeah. And you do have an eternal purpose. Yeah. And that eternal purpose has accountability attached to it. Yeah. We will all, I'm not here to scare you, I'm just here to remind you. We will all individually give an account of our life before our living Savior. That day is coming. You still love me? I love you too. But if we allow things, if we allow people, uh, if we allow events to creep in and crowd out what's really important, then we eventually find ourselves in trouble. It doesn't take long to go off the rails. It really doesn't. Mark chapter 4, let's turn over there. Mark chapter 4, verse 15. These are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Okay? So we understand that the soil that Jesus is talking about here in this parable is our hearts. He comes immediately to take that seed away from our hearts. But this, these are hearts that are at the wayside, all right? This is where seed shouldn't really be scattered because it's not going to produce anything, all right? We're talking about like very shallow surfaces. There's no depth to the soil there. And, and so it's easy for the prey to come in, or the predator, I should say, to come in and just take the seed because it doesn't, it doesn't penetrate the heart. These, I believe these are unbelievers that he's talking about. All right, then, the, then these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness. Okay, so this is some, there's some soil here, but there's also some rocks in this soil. All right, so the seed might not get to go too deep in this soil right? There's enough there to start producing something. So they hear the word, they get excited about the word. Listen, I, I love that, right? 
But then I also learned just because they're saying amen doesn't mean it's really going all that deep. Right? Just because they're excited about it. Excitement's good, but that's not everything to the Christian walk. Good, well-meaning people. They're happy to be here. They're happy to hear that. But look, and they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution or troubles in life arises for the word's sake. So Jesus says something very important here that we need to understand is that the trouble that comes into our life, tribulation and persecution, they come not by God design. Lord, why are you allowing this to happen to me? You live on planet Earth. Most of the time you're allowing it. <laughs> Don't blame me for something you're doing. All right, I gave you this gift called choice. It's yours. So if, if you quit acting like an idiot, amen. I'm talking about me, not you. Quit acting like an idiot, then, then you'll stop blaming me. All right? Okay. They have no root in and so endure only for a time. So this, tr this trouble comes, the, the, the tribulation, the troubles come, and, and it's easy to go, Oh, God, what are you trying to teach me here? No, 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 listen. This stuff is coming not to bring you closer to God. It's coming to get the word out of you. This stuff is your enemy. God is not into things that are trying to get you away from him. All right, when trouble comes, that's when you cling to God, right? That's the time to hold on to his word. His word is there to help you through that trouble, to help you through those, those, those difficult situations. All right, don't buy into this religious lie that, well, everything that happens happens by God's design. Bull crud. All right? It says, when it comes for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. My God, I've been that guy. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They're the ones... Who hear the word, watch, and the cares of this world, here comes all the stuff vying for your attention, vying for your time. Things that want to present themselves as just as important, right? The, the, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things entering in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. All right, so the word is only as fruitful in your life as you allow it to be. Okay? The seed alone does not produce. It with the soil is going to produce something or not produce something. Most of the time in your life, the word comes to you in this setting right here, right in church, in the house of God, together with other believers. So when you walk out of here today, just I'm just here to tell you, and I know if you've been a Christian for 10 minutes, you've already experienced this, that you're going to face resistance to the word that was sown into your heart today. All right, welcome to planet earth. Welcome to the war. Yeah. Welcome to the war. What band was that? Who was it? Sing that, David. Welcome to the war. The Christian rock band. Ah, I almost had it. I'll remember it in a second. Do you remember it, Foss? Ah, uh, A.D., it was A.D., Kerry Livgren's band, after he, got, after he left Kansas and started A.D. Yeah, okay, there it is. Thank you, Lord. So you're going to face resistance, all right? And it's going to come in basically three ways, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Those are the things that are resistant to the Word of God. And so it's on you to guard it. The enemy knows 
Listen, the devil knows how powerful the Word of God is. Come on, church. we got to know how powerful this Word is. Huh? Maybe you need a little, little devilish revelation about the Word. He knows how powerful it is. And so he's going to do whatever he can because when someone hears the Word and they grab a hold of that Word and cling to it by faith, the enemy is no match for them. He can't do anything, right? So, if it, But if he can get the word out of your life, then he can get the word's effect out of your life, right? Then, then, then you're just kind of like most everybody else, right? You're just kind of a victim to whatever happens. Okay, sada, sada, what will be, will be. Just kind of taking life as it comes to me. That's not what you're called to do. And so when the heart begins to fade for the house of God, it's a clear sign that other things have taken its place. Listen to this from the Amplified Version, uh, Psalms chapter 42 and verse 4. King David writes, he says, These things I earnestly remember and pour myself out within me, how I went slowly before the throng and led them in procession to the house of God like a bandmaster before his band, timing the steps to the sound of music, and the chant of song with the voice of shouting and praise, a throng-keeping festival. I love that. So he's crying out in distress, David's, and in the middle of his crying, he remembers the house of God. He remembers the, the festive throng of people. He remembers the music. He remembers faith, singing, leading worship, how powerful that is. The excitement of the people for God's house. As you come to church, I just want to remind you, Christian, believer, set your heart on celebration. Amen? Let's all just set our hearts on celebration. And, 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 and remember that we're in this world. We're not of this world. Praise God. Amen. We're, we, this is a city that is set on a hill. And this city, the builder and the maker of this city is God himself. Ooh, hallelujah, which means this is everlasting. We are all citizens of this wonderful city. And when we gather here, we are, we are seeing a glimpse of our eternal purpose in the earth, a, a taste of our true and eternal citizenship, heaven itself. And this place here, One Cause Church, is one of the embassies of heaven here in the earth. Amen. So that's why we declare, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We speak on behalf of heaven itself here. We're a body of persons gathered here with a mission to the king and his kingdom. What is our ministry here at One Cause Church? If I could just narrow it down to one thing, it's reconciliation. Reconciliation. We bring people together. We bring people to God. Right? It's what we do. There's so much more to you than, than what you feel, what you think, or what you see. God has a, an extremely high opinion of you. Extremely high. And God said that his eyes would be on his house and that his heart would be in this house forever. But you know what's interesting? That house that God was speaking about to Solomon, it's no more. That house isn't there anymore. In 586 BC, the Babylonians came in and obliterated the temple of Solomon. And so then a little later on, Ezra and Nehemiah, you can read their stories. Remember, Nehemiah, the builder, they 
they got permission to go back and rebuild the house, rebuild, rebuild Solomon's temple. And even Herod, the butcher of Bethlehem, uh, who killed all the, every, every male child from two years old and under trying to get rid of Jesus, he also added to uh, Solomon's temple and uh, made it really quite wondrous. He kind of made it a city within a city. So, but in AD 70, even Herod's temp, uh, Herod, Herald, <laughs> Herald the Tetrarch, <laughs> Herod's temple was destroyed um, and, and laid to waste as well. Jesus even prophesied of that day coming. He said, I tell you, you're looking at the magnificent temple because the, they were walking by it one day and the, dis, the disciples were talking about the magnificent structure that it was. Jesus, isn't this amazing? He said, I tell you, not one stone will be left on another. And it literally came to pass because they had to dismantle every stone because the gold, after that thing had caught fire that was up in the dome, had ran down the cracks into the mortar. So they literally took every stone apart to get the gold that had, had seeped down into the mortar between them. So it was all thrown down. It was all broken apart. And as a matter of fact, today, when you look at pictures of, of Jerusalem there, that you see actually what's sitting on the Temple Mount is an Islamic mosque. Something went awry. <laughs> we have a greater understanding today, though, since the death and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. I'm going to finish with this here. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. Verse 15. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. All right? So the house of God is what? It's the church of the living God. It's people. It's you. Amen. So here where God's people are assembled together, this is the house of God. This right here, this gathering is what his eyes are on and his heart is in. What an incredible thing we're connected to, huh? We're all a part of. I'm grateful to God to be part of something that will never fail. Because he's the builder, he's the maker. And how many of you know that he don't fail? So whatever God's building will always stand forever. And this is where you as believers, as children of God, are connected to your eternal purpose. That's why I want to encourage you to be planted and to flourish, and to prosper, and to grow in His abundant life. Wherever you go, your heavenly Father's eyes are on you. You are the apple of His eye. His heart is with you. He loves His church so much that He gave His life for her. He gave His life for you. Father, thank You for the church. Thank you for building your church. Thank you for building these lives here today. Thank you for your precious son who's made all of this possible. Any relationship with you, peace with you, came through our Lord Jesus Christ. And your word says that we being justified by faith, that is, we're made right, we are declared innocent, free from the charges that have been brought up against us, free and we thank you for that. By faith in Jesus, and now we have peace with God. The end to the rage and havoc of war.
we are at a state of national tranquility with our God. And Father, I thank you for everyone that you have called by your spirit to be a part of One Cause Church. Lord, you set members in the body as you please. You were pleased to bring them here, and we are pleased to have them. And I pray, God, that they would be planted deep here in the house of God and connected to the eternal purpose, connected to what you've put in their hearts when you knit them in their mother's womb, Lord, in that secret place, the design, the destiny, Lord, that you put in them. I thank you, Lord, that we know that as members of the body of Christ. And I pray, God, that everyone here will thrive in their purpose. They'll thrive in the life that you came to give them, Lord. There'll be lights wherever they go, showing others this is the way. This is the Lord. Know him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved and be free from the tyranny of sin and death. Be free from the tyranny of the prince of the power of the air, the devil who's doing his best to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But those who believe on Jesus get to experience life and abundance in this life. May we be that light, that beacon of light, of reconciliation to the world, this word of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. In other words, not, no longer holding their sins against them. God is not angry with the world any longer. He's not angry with mankind and man's sinfulness. Jesus became sin for us and endured the wrath of God upon his own body on that tree so that we who believe on him are free from wrath. And we've come into the fullness of the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the family of God. Thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for your blessing upon every household, every marriage, every child that's in these houses, every husband, every wife. I thank you, Father God, that love would abound in their homes that you, God, are their provider. You are their strength. You are their very present help in time of need. You are their healer. Bless every home here, Lord, abundantly. Let grace and peace be multiplied to them. From God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Now, may the Lord bless you, and may he keep you, and may he make his face shine upon you, and be gracious to you and all of your house and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.